Welcome to another edition of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan, and I'm joined by the infamous Xamarin Developer Evangelist, Mike James. Mike, how are you doing today? Infamous. Yeah, no, I'm very well. Thank you for your your kind words. I'm going to assume I'm going to take that with positivity. That was a, a kind introduction. So yes, no, I'm very well. Um, I've been traveling since 9am this morning, and it's now 5.30. Um, I literally, I woke up 10 minutes before I needed to leave Belgium, and I was in a, a small village in Bergen, which is just outside Grimbergen, um, which makes some delicious beer. It's a good opportunity to test the beer app. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been on almost all the, the modes of transport today, um, buses and trains and taxis. Uh, we'll talk about Apple and WWDC. But before we get into that, how are you, Pierce? I'm good. I don't live as interesting a life as you, clearly. Um, I woke up this morning and walked to work. <laughs> and then yesterday I sat on my couch all day. So uh, we can see who's been adventurous and who's been lazy. But I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Well, you know, ne- next week when we record one of these, um, I'll have nothing to report. because I'll, This is the end of the traveling. I've got one more event next month in uh, Holland. But apart from that, it's, uh, it's office work now. I'm going to be a desk jockey. I don't think a lot of people realize how much, you know, you and James actually are on the road, like traveling, going to conferences, going to user groups, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of time. Um, and that's kind of why the podcast has been a bit sporadic and, you know, the quality changes week by week because, you know, it's pretty difficult to find the time to sit down and, and record one of these and then edit it. And first of all, we have to have something to talk about. And, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty keen actually to get some guest speakers on because there's only, you know, finite amount of topics that, that Pierce and I can talk about at length and with any level of detail because obviously, you know, uh, we're, not, we're not geniuses or genii. We're not? No. Speaking of geniuses, I mean, you're wearing the genius shirt almost, pretty much, like right now, the Apple genius shirt. Almost. Right yeah. So I bought this when I went to Cupertino. I was traveling the, the US with a girlfriend and we were, we were driving from LA up to San Francisco. And as we we're driving, she said, do you want to visit the Apple campus and the Google campus? I was like, let's do it. Um, so we, you know, we pulled into Cupertino and uh, you can get some limited edition stuff within the Apple store that's on on site and they sell these t-shirts and they also sell uh, some mugs and some pens and stuff and I bought three you know limited edition Apple t-shirts and so I'm sat here recording the WWCC recap in a blue Apple t-shirt so it seems fitting. Well it's funny if you watch this year's WWDC you might have questions as if to as if it's actually a developers conference. Uh, it was kind of light, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah. To say I was disappointed would be an understatement. You know, because we had we had Google I/O a few what, last month, a few months ago, maybe six. Yeah. Yeah, last month. Um, Mayish. Yeah, about six weeks ago or something. Um, and that you know that was a pretty non-event. There wasn't much going on there. But then I wasn't expecting a great deal. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I was expecting a great deal. This is iOS ten. This is version 10. We yep. should be doing something amazing here. We're in desperate need of some new hardware. You know, if you go on to uh, Mac Rumors or Macworld, it's one of the websites where they have the list of buy or don't buy. Um, and pretty much everything yep. right now is don't buy, apart from the MacBook. It, and, and the MacBook, it, <clears throat> the MacBook isn't a suitable developer device. I don't think it, it doesn't have enough grunt. So 
Yeah, I was kind of expecting a MacBook Pro to be to be released, and uh, there was one point. If anybody watched the keynote, you'll you'll completely understand. There was one point. I think it was Craig that said, uh, "Oh, one one more thing." And normally, back back when Steve was around, one more thing would mean like, "And now we're announcing the iPhone for the first time, and it's two thousand and seven, and you know it's going to be mind blowing." And they just showed us an advert, and I was like. Man, you can't use that phrase for that. Because I, I genuinely got a little bit excited. I was like, oh man, it's just an advert for a new theme for iOS. So I'm a, I'm a little bit, you know, disappointed in the whole WWDC, especially from a developer's point of view. Um, I mean, shall, shall we start from the top? You know, they, they announced... Yeah, let's start from the top. Yeah, so they, they went with Apple Watch um, to start with, the most popular of all platforms. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... They they introduced a few new things and they kept the funny thing is, you know, they kept talking about innovation and that sort of thing. And in between talking about innovation and, you know, all this thought leadership, they'd be like, Oh, and here we added a new image as a watch face. Yeah. This is innovation. And uh it was pretty funny. But I mean you can't even build watch faces know, yourself. So as a developer, I'm like I want to create a custom watch face. It can't be that difficult, you know. I can put a label in there and style it how I want. And it's going to tell me the time. But I can't develop custom watch faces. You know, they talk about innovation, but there's just some really, really low-hanging fruit that now we're on version 3 of watchOS, we really should be able to do. Yeah. And I mean, even from a non-developer standpoint, like watchOS 3, they, they say that, you know, your apps are going to run faster and you're going to be able to do more with the watch. And we were talking about, before we started recording, it's funny because... Now they're actually going to keep a lot of the apps in memory uh, so that they're, they're a little bit faster, but we're already having enough problems with our Apple Watches in terms of battery life, and this is just going to make it worse. Yeah, I, I charged my Apple Watch before heading off to, to Belgium on Thursday or Friday? It was a Friday. Yeah, I charged it on Friday for, for a few hours, went off, and uh, it would run out by the evening. And that's running watchOS 2. And I don't launch any apps because if anyone's got an Apple Watch, you'll know this. Apps are just a horrible experience on the watch. They just take so long to load. And, you know, they made this big thing about how they, they load four times faster. And it's like, to be honest, guys, you couldn't make it load any slower. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just not thrilled about the whole thing. I think there needs to be a revision bump in terms of the hardware spec. Um, maybe maybe what they need to do is add a little bit more grunt on the CPU, a little bit more RAM, um, but certainly a lot more battery. And I don't know how they can do that on such a small device, but charging my watch every night, it just I haven't fallen into the habit of it, and I don't think I ever will. So I think the Apple Watch is always going to be that device where I'm like, oh, I want to put on my Apple Watch. Ah, oh, it doesn't have any battery. I'll just leave it. Yeah, and I think... I mean, just more generally about the watch in general, uh, me and James were talking about this last week when he was in Boston. Neither one of us are big watch guys. And I think the reason for that is like, I already get enough notifications as is, and I don't need another distraction. And, uh, and so we, we both kind of disowned wearables in general. Um, but I mean, it, it's not terrible. It's just the things that we expect from Apple, we're not getting in terms of the watch my opinion yeah i'd agree with that and i think and i i joke about this but it, it, there is you know an element of truth to this my favorite feature of the apple watch is being able to tell the time on my wrist yeah that is and 
And I know that sounds really stupid, but as someone that hasn't worn a watch since, you know, I was in, you know, junior school, which I don't know what that equates to in uh, Americanisms, but it's like six to 11, okay. you know, that kind of age okay. range. Um, I haven't worn a watch since I was very young, basically. Um, so I'd, I'd fallen out of, you know, knowing what it's like to be able to check the time on your watch. And the Apple Watch has kind of introduced me to the idea of wearing a real timepiece. So it's kind of like a, a gateway watch. Right. It's a, something right. that's, you know, I can now understand why people would spend a little bit of money on you know, a watch that they want to wear for the rest of their lives. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm ever going to get to that point with a, a smartwatch. Because the whole point is that you buy a, a smartwatch and then next year or the year after, it's replaceable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I've actually been perusing, you know, jewellery shops and watchsmiths when I go shopping to, to try and find, you know, the, the perfect timepiece for me, which I don't think I would be doing if I didn't have started on an Apple Watch. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we're still trying to figure out what type of apps are, are best for a smartwatch. Like, I, I don't think yeah. we've figured that out yet because, I mean, even Uber, which seems like, a, you know, an obvious example, let me call it an, an Uber from my watch. Well, I know I already have enough trouble just getting that little dot to be exactly where I'm at. And when it, my fat finger is trying to place it on a, on a, on a watch face that's tiny, uh, it's not exactly the easiest thing. And I mean, they, they introduced some other cool stuff where you can like draw letters and like message and that sort of thing. But for me, it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to use my watch for that. I don't know about you, Mike, but I just would rather pull out my phone and, and respond to the message. Yep. Almost every time. And another great example of this is I've, when I'm traveling, I've almost always got a Starbucks in my hand. Now, I've got a wheelie bag that I'm pulling along. And let's say I'll get a notification. Well, I've now got one hand with a bag on it and another hand which has got the watch on it with my cup of coffee and I get a notification. But I can't see the notification because I need to rotate my arm in order to get the screen to turn on the watch. And if I did that, I'm going to pour the coffee on myself. Um, so what I normally end up doing is kind of, whilst holding my bag, slipping my hand in from a pocket and pulling out my phone and looking at my phone, and I can kind of pull my bag, drink the coffee, and, you know, I can multitask. But then, I'm, yeah. you know, all it's doing is poking me to tell me that I've got that notification. Um, but I, I think you're onto something when you talk about not knowing what kind of apps that we should be building, because I think this is true for TVOS as well. Um, I was with my friend Jan uh, over the weekend, and he's got an Apple TV 4, so that's the one running tvOS, much like I have, but, you know, I've put mine in the living room, and it, it seldom gets turned on, um, because I get most of my media consumption through the Xbox One, but uh, he asked me, he said, you know, you've got an Apple TV, and I was like, yeah, and he's like, what kind of apps have you built for it? And I was like, oh, I, have, I haven't, and he's like, well, why not? And I was like, well, no, I don't, I don't have any video content. You know, I'm not Netflix. I don't make a NAS that stores content to view. Like, the TV is, is designed for consumption. It's not designed for creation. And the kind yeah. of stuff that I build is more creation and, you know, data-driven than it is consumption. You know, just I'm going to watch something. I'm going to listen to something. And... Yeah, all of the apps that he was showing me looked beautiful. And I think that's in part because of the really nice built-in templates that Apple provide for, for the developers for tvOS. But once you get out of that, you know, obviously gaming's a huge, huge market for the tvOS. Um, but again, I'm not a game developer, so I'd, I've, I've struggled to come up and have any inspiration. Um, 
and I, I think this is quite interesting because I don't think I'm unique in this. You know, there you know, you've got the watch, you've got TVOS, the two brand new platforms from Apple, and I'm really, really struggling as a developer to think of, you know, my million dollar idea. It's something that I can it doesn't actually have to be a million dollars, but I've got to have, you know, some kind of feeling that people are gonna get some benefit out of it for me to sit down and want to develop it. Um and apart from my bait news app, which could translate to a TV. I'm not sure anyone's going to play it. And again, it's kind of a game-style app. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure what kind of thing to build. Well, I mean, if you can figure it out, certainly you'll be super innovative and you'll probably make lots of money too. Um, but I, I mean, I don't even think, as going back to the watch real quick, I don't even think Apple's figured it out because they're making apps for the watch and for the... Well, I don't know that much about tvOS, but I know they're making apps for the watch that I just don't want to use on my, on my wrist. And so they're kind of flailing a little bit as well, trying to figure out exactly you know, what, what we should be building for this. And, uh, and so as a developer, you kind of feel, you know, left out because you're not really sure what to do. And I, I don't think that it's necessarily a requirement just because I'm an iOS developer that I have to, you know, find a way to ship my app on all these different mediums. Because like you said, I think the consumption mechanism is different depending on what platform you're on. Like yeah. I'm not going to consume your app the same way on a TV that I would on an iPhone or a watch. Oh, completely. But I, I think the the reason I mentioned you know about struggling with the TV is because I got one of the developer kits. So you know I feel a little bit like I should probably ship something. I only paid a pound for it because I'm a developer, and you know I, I want to ship something. I just can't. I can't think of anything to build that I think people are actually going to enjoy. But that said, when I look on the store, there's a lot of apps that do fireplaces. And even the clock apps on it, if you want to build a clock, people are charging for it. But I couldn't find, and because the Apple TV doesn't show you the time, which is some, a minor frustration for me. Um, and it was like, well, I'll just write a clock app. I, you know, it'd take two minutes. But I, I had a look through the app store, and there's a lot on there that, you know, in-app purchase to change the color of the label. Um, so I yeah. think it's, uh, the quality isn't there yet. I'd actually say that, you know, the Windows Store has probably got better apps. <laughs> Uh, than yeah. tvOS um, so yeah that's kind of the two platforms that are new to apple you've you've, you've got loads of new features um, on watch os you know such as easier messaging replies but again no one actually responds with iMessage on the watch they just they get the notification they pull their phone out um, then tvOS you do one interesting thing on tvOS is you now have this dark theme now this the reason I say this is interesting is because there's been rumors for a very long time the iPhone 7 is going to come out with an OLED display, which, as we all know, that means black is blacker than black. It's so, so dark, and it doesn't eat the, the uh, battery to do black with OLED. If you implement a dark theme on the current displays, um, then it, it actually eats into your battery in order to, to have the pixels on the screen. Um, so, yeah, tvOS has this dark theme, and so iOS now has a toggle where you can change, and it has APIs to get into a dark theme. So rumour has it, and this is pure speculation, um, that the iPhone 7 may have OLED display, and they may have a feature into iOS 10, which they'll flick the switch on, uh, to give us this dark theme. So uh, that, I think that's something to be conscious of. Um, when you're designing your apps right now, and um, you should probably make sure that your your colors and your styling is put in one place that's going to be easy to swap out if you do need to go down that dark route. 
Yeah, I mean, there's been, like you said, there was rumors heading up into the event. And then after the event, as people start to, you know, download the betas and that sort of thing, they're seeing that there's some places where you're like, this app looks like it's kind of made to be a dark theme, or you can see some dark theme elements start to start to peek out. I don't know. I, th I think it would be a lot to spring on developers, like if they just, you know, shipped it in one of the later betas or they shipped it. I think... My my again, pure speculation. My general my opinion is that that they wanted to ship the dark theme and then it wasn't quite there yet, or they weren't really sure that you know it would work out, and so they pulled it at the last minute, or maybe it's not quite ready. But I don't think at this point they can you know ship it into a future beta because what if what if I switch? I don't know how exactly if I, it would work, but what if I switch my phone into from a light to dark theme mode? If my app is not designed for that, how does it look? And, but it uh, would probably de it would keep the default of uh, light. Um, I well, think that's true. Because there's an event, certainly for Apple TV, there's an event that you need to subscribe to in order to get, you know, the uh, system color preferences did change or something like that. Um, but it could also be, you know, that they're going to add this into iOS 11 and that they just put the groundwork in and what we're actually seeing, you know, it could also be that what we're actually seeing is that these APIs are just for tvOS because they share the, the common... OS, iOS is running on the TV. So maybe that's what we're seeing. We're just seeing APIs uh, from a different uh, device just uh, being kept around in iOS. But talking of iOS, there's actually quite a few uh, additions that are going to make developers' lives more interesting. Um, I think the key takeaway from WWDC in terms of iOS is that Apple is opening up its services. So they've, um, they've opened up Siri. and I. They haven't gone as far as, you know, the likes of Microsoft with Cortana, um, which you can basically get to do whatever you want. Um, but they've opened it up to a certain subset of apps. So if you do like audio or video calling, so WhatsApp, Messenger, um, you know, Facebook Messenger. I don't mean MSN Messenger uh, or AOL. Is it AOL Messenger? AIM. AIM. There we go. Yeah. I was always on MSN as a kid. Um, Really? It was AIM over here. That was my entire childhood on AIM. We had, that was before Facebook, actually. It was way before Facebook. We, we had a subset of uh, people on Yahoo Messenger as well. Um, but anyway, I digress. So if you're building a VoIP app, you can now, when you know you, the calls come in, you can launch it on, or it shows up on the, the home screen, the lock screen, just like it would uh, if it was a FaceTime call or a normal phone call. Um, you can also integrate it with Siri. Um, so audio, video, messaging apps can work with Siri. Um, if, you're, if you've got a payment style app, you can also use Siri. Uh, if you've got photos or a ride sharing like Uber or Lyft, uh, you can use Siri as well as uh, fitness apps. But that's it. So my beer drinking app doesn't fit into any of those categories, so I can't use Siri. So I'm, I'm still not able to say, hey, Siri, Add Stella Artois to beer drinking. And it, it, it I just no option to do that. So maybe we'll see in the future them open it up a little bit wider. Um, I, I hope they do that because right now they've kind of decided <laughs> these are the these are the APIs and use cases that all developers in the world will uh, you know this will this will solve every app's problem. Um, and naturally yeah. it doesn't fit for everyone. So unless you've got, you know, unless you've built your your app in exactly the way that Apple expected you to, you're probably going to hit the limitations of, of this. But it's certainly a step in the right direction. 
Um, you know, we've had Siri for a long time now, so to get Siri Kit, um, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, me too. And I'm kind of going along that that same vein of you know Apple really focusing on messaging. Um, another another big announcement coming out out of WWDC is uh, that we can now create extensions for iMessage. Yeah, and, and in fact, we can create extensions without writing any code. So this was. <laughs> This is going to see uh, so, so, so many stickers. So you can just add <laughs> PNGs or JPEGs, whatever you want, into a, a sticker pack. Um, you just drag and drop them into Xcode and it generates it for you. Um, so if you've, if you've got any artistic talent or some artwork that you've, you've had created before and you've got under license, you create a sticker pack, throw it in the App Store and earn a bit of money. And uh, yeah, because these are going to be new and they're so, so easy to produce, I think there's going to be you know, thousands and thousands. So uh, I, I can't wait to get Donald Duck and uh, Mickey Mouse uh, animated GIFs all over messages. I'm only going to communicate with them any, uh, uh, in the future. No text from now on. Uh, well, I, I, in terms of messaging, I actually downloaded the, the iOS 10 beta over the weekend. And speaking of which, if you want to do that, uh, so there's two ways to do it. The traditional way has always been, hey, you download the file from the iOS developer portal, uh, you open up iTunes, and you restore it onto your phone. It wipes it, installs in the OS. Cool, whatever. So the problem with that is you actually have to install Xcode 8 in addition, um, which is like 5 gigs, so it takes forever. Um, but now they actually have something super, super, super easy to do. So if you actually go on your phone, go to the iOS developer center, log in, um, you can download this certificate and essentially it's just like a provisioning profile just like when you develop apps um, using you know, the regular developer profile stuff um, and you can actually get OTA updates uh, so I could never have to restore my phone I could keep all of my data keep all my photos keep all my apps without having to reset up my phone I can just download this certificate install it and I can install iOS 10 straight from that and when they release betas and that sort of thing I'll actually get those right away so that's super super nice that's definitely the recommended way to go about it. As someone who accidentally wiped this phone first and then found out that, I was very angry. But um, trying to yeah. save you guys some pain, that's the way to go about doing it. Yeah, so I'm, I, may have, uh, I may have done that the wrong way. So uh, I downloaded, <laughs> again, Jan at the weekend was saying to me, what, what's iOS 10 like? Because he hadn't kept up. He's not a developer. Um, so he wanted to just kind of see and talk to me about it. And um, I was like, well, why don't we just install it on my spare device? And I plugged it in, and I, I formatted it, and the restore failed. So I've currently it's sat here as we record the podcast. It's uh, downloading uh, the restore so I can get it back to 9.3.2, and then I'll do your approach. Um, but it lost all of the data off it. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really pro tip. So thank you, Pierce. <laughs> pro tip for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't have ever found it. I just saw it in there. I was like, huh, that's curious. And I kind of downloaded it. I was like, oh, this is provisioning profile. Okay. Um, but yeah, so iMessage, um, I downloaded it over the weekend and I've been messing with it and I hate it. It's so annoying. Um, it's too much, in my oh, opinion. No. I think they, swank, they, they swung the other direction, like a complete 180 from being, you know, super closed off and, um, and like really polished and that sort of thing. Now it's just a giant mess. Like there's too much going on there and I, I just don't like it. I, I really wish they would take it away. And especially with all these apps that are gonna be creating extensions for it, um, it's gonna get really annoying. And my friends are, I, I know there's already gonna be like a ton of viral applications that are based off of this. 
Um, but as of right now, after two days of using it, it's just super annoying. Um, and it's like, as you, as you can see, if you go to the WWC recap post that we did on our blog, um, the actual message field is like one fourth of the size of what it was. They shrunk it down so that they could add other stuff. Holy smokes. Is that genuinely how it is all the time? That's genuinely how it is all the time. So when you open what? up iMessage, the bar is like a fourth of or a third of what it normally is. And so like, I mean, I have, I don't have large hands, but I have regular sized hands and it's actually kind of difficult to tap in there. And when I talk about, you know, all these features that, that always get introduced at developer conferences and that sort of thing, I think about my mother trying to use it. That's the yeah. way I always think about these features and my friends. And I know that my mom or grandmother is not going to be able to use this. It's, there's too much going on. I mean, I just want to be able to send a message from one person to another and maybe do one or two cool things. Emojis were cool. Maybe we could have gone a step further than emojis. Uh, but now they have the emojify thing. So I can actually, oh. you know, write some, write, <laughs> write some text and actually emoji. It's too much. It's just too much. And it feels like they're trying to be too hip. That feature alone just made me, like, my eyes just rolled back. Like, really? Yep. So, so for those of you who don't know, you, you write some text and let's say uh, I'm going to the hospital to, I want to say have a poo because it's the only emoji, emoji I can think of, uh, but that's probably not what I'd go to the hospital for. I'm going to the hospital to get an injection and see the nurse. There we go. That's a good one. So it will, it will find the words in there that it knows that it's got emojis for. So hospital, there's certainly a syringe within the emojis and there's a little nurse character as well. So it will offer to replace those for you with the emoji. So then you end up, you know, kind of with this mix of English and hieroglyphics thrown in there. Um, I'm sure that's how the kids are already using iMessage. And I'm sure, you know, Apple have got a fair amount of usage data on this stuff. Um, but, but that's not how I communicate with iMessage. Um, yeah, and, and ignoring, you know, the, the animations and all of the, the UI and I want to say improvements, but I'm, I'm not going to call it that. Um, all the additions to the UI. They've, they've also done something that I've... It hurts me to look at it. Uh, I'm staring at the screenshot now. They've taken the navigation controller, which has got the navigation bar, which we as a developers is known to be a fixed size. What is it, like 33 pixels or 46 pixels or something when you include the status bar? It's, you know, we, we know it's an, X, like that. Yeah, it's an X amount of pixels. It's always the same across every single app within reason. Well, they've gone ahead and put uh, a photo in there of the, the, you know, the avatar of the person that you're messaging and then their name underneath. So it's now the wrong size. Um, and that really bothers me, and I don't know why. Well, also... Actually, no, I do know why, because the, the back arrow was perfectly center when the, the navigation bar is correct height. Its Y value is you know, bang on the center of the nav bar, whereas now because it's got the text underneath, it's, it's no longer center. And if it was center, it would look strange because it's too small for the, for the size of the, the navigation bar. But the, the UI just doesn't look that complete to me. Um, and then, you know, as Pierce said, when you add in all these stickers and animations and em emojis and all of this stuff, um, it just looks a bit cluttered. And I think you're right, you know. I'm, I, looking at the screenshot, the only person that could ever manage, hope to hit the, uh, the text box would be Donald Trump, you know, the man with the world's smallest hands. <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, seriously, from a navigation standpoint, they have, let's see, they have a carousel view that I can navigate. I mean, this is 
one of the app extensions, but still, I mean, I imagine most of the apps will be this way. There's a carousel view with seven pages. There looks to be like a, a dashboard button in the bottom left-hand corner. Yep. There's a button that I can use to minimize this. There's three, four buttons on the actual bar where I used to just type to text. There's the voice, uh, the voice dictation one. Uh, there's one where I can open app extensions, one where I can do emojis, and one where I can open a camera. And then on top of that, like you said, the navigation bar is now larger. The text of the person's name is now tiny, by the way. So it's actually almost just as small as the time. So if you have trouble seeing uh, your phone, as many people do who use the iPhone and have to use all the accessibility features, you can't even see the person's name. It, I, I, I mean, me and Mike sound disappointed, and we are, but it's because we have such high expectations for, for Apple software. It's always been so nice, and this is just... It feels too cluttered and not well thought out. Yeah, it, it feels like they've they've been looking at what's been happening in the space of, you know, WhatsApp and Messenger. And uh, a lot of the features of Messenger, you know, I find Messenger too cluttered. I, I, I tend to prefer to use iMessage for its simplicity. Um, I'm actually a strong believer in Slack. I love the Slack mobile app. For me, it's the perfect yeah. messaging app. Um, if I could communicate with everyone in the world through Slack, I would be super happy. Um, but yeah, I think that Apple have, yeah, I think they've gone the wrong way with iMessage. But I, as I say, I don't think it's, I don't think it's made for us, Pierce. I think it's made for, for teenagers or, you know, a demographic that isn't, that isn't just writing text where they want to be, you know, throwing well, in emojis every two, two seconds. Well, I read, I'm, I'm not going to try and claim that this is my opinion, but I've, I've read from multiple people online that. Not only is it a, a clone of a lot of the messaging apps that we see in the US and the UK and Europe, um, but also a lot of the messaging apps in China. And you notice throughout the keynote, they kept mentioning China. They were like, they, they made sure that all their announcements, they worked in the word China. Exactly. China. Um, and so that's their next big market that they want to conquer. I mean, there's yeah. a billion people who live there. Yep. Uh, it makes sense. And so a lot of what you see in iMessage is actually a mirror of what you see in a lot of the Chinese messaging applications. Well, you know. And so it's interesting that they've. More, Go ahead. More for them because they've just been banned from selling in Beijing. So. Oh, really? Yeah, they've just had uh, Patent Troll has, uh, you know, said that their design is too similar to um, their device, the iPhone 6 design is too similar to one of their existing patents so uh yeah they've been banned from selling in beijing <laughs> and uh they, 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 they took it uh they appealed it and it's gone to the appeal court and uh the appeal court has again sided with the, the chinese company but right now they're just not able to sell in that city um that's a shame yeah well i think the most exciting thing in terms of messaging that that was rumored that we heard about going into the event was there was a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz, not just a small little fire. Um, there was a lot of smoke around iMessage on Android. Yes. And it just didn't happen. And that was what I thought could be the most exciting announcement because everyone hates messaging that one friend who has the green bubble instead of the blue <laughs> bubble because they don't have iMessage. Everyone has that friend. Yeah. Don't be that friend. Um, and that could have been like truly like something amazing. I mean, this is an encrypted messaging service. Um, that we could use across all these different platforms that works yep. using the internet um, that's built right into at least one of the operating systems and would be an easy download for the other. Um, so that would have been truly, you know, something really, really exciting and we didn't get it. I thought that's what we were getting when we heard the one more thing you were talking about. I thought, yep. you know, that was going to be the one more thing and it just didn't happen. I think that it would be very, very brave of Apple to go down that route, to be honest, because, you know, with rumors of the iPhone 7 dropping the, the headphone jack, you know, 
Android hasn't looked more tempting at any other point in the last five years to me. Um, if they drop their headphone jack and with the way that iMessage is going and the fact that we haven't had a MacBook Pro release for, you know, so, so long, uh, it's really, really difficult right now to justify staying on, on the platform. Um, as a developer, it's still easy to justify developing for it because it's, you know, one of the easiest platforms to build for and the users are happy to spend the money. Um, but I'm just, I'm not sure that I'm sharing the vision of him and the rest of the team over in Cupertino. I feel like, yeah, I'm not, not thrilled by it. Not thrilled. I don't know. I just can't see Johnny approving this. Well, where is Johnny? Created. Where is where Johnny? Where is he? Is, like, is he on an island somewhere? Uh, is he gone I, on vacation you know, for the last year? Do you know what I think it might be? I think that he may, because he's, you know, he's no longer head of design. He changed into a new role where he's looking after kind of, a lot of stuff, and then again, we we don't hear from him from a while. So I've 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 heard rumors, and I kind of I think this could be true as well. Um, I heard rumors that he wanted to relocate back to the UK because uh, he's got a little place in Sussex, which is a beautiful part of the country, um, and he wanted a slightly different change of life. But the, the exec team weren't happy for it. So I've, I've heard rumors that he's trying to cut back at Apple. And I wonder if they're kind of doing what they did with Steve Jobs and Tim Cook, where, you know, Tim Cook started to take over the day-to-day -day running, but it wasn't really talked about publicly. So that when they talked about it publicly, they're like, well, he's already been doing it for a year. Maybe Johnny's already taken a back seat and, you know, the quality's dived and they're hoping that in 12 months they can be like, well, everything's fine. You know, he's been gone for a year. Madness. Well, uh... In terms of cool things for developers, in addition with iOS 10, we have a new notification API and brand new framework for user notifications. Very exciting. This is exciting. Both local and remote notification. Yes, no, this is really exciting because they also give us an API for doing the UI. So with notifications, we no longer have to just use the, the UI that is prescribed to us. I mean, we can. So if we just create a new notification that we use the default, um, but if we've got some, you know, extra context that we want to supply with that notification we can just you know use the uh the ui framework to allow us to do that and to customize that notification um so this is going to be really interesting i think you mentioned right at the beginning that you get too many notifications um and it's it's going to be interesting to see how much this new ui is is going to be used because i think everyone's going to want to customize it so that when you glance at the phone your app is instantly indistinguishable is, distingu is distinguishable, I should say, not indistinguishable. That would be terrible. You want to be able to distinguish <laughs> it very quickly. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of customization on that. So it's pretty cool that we have these APIs now to do that. Yeah, and I mean, this is obvious, but one of the easy ways to, to get people into your application is to provide them helpful notifications. Um, and before, the, the notification framework was kind of all over the place. And I'm pretty excited about this. If you've ever done anything with notifications, you know that they're just a huge pain in the butt. Um, and so this, sh this should be very, very nice and, and will give us some opportunities to customize things more. Yeah, and there's also been loads of other additions to, to iOS. Um, if, we're, if we're talking like pure you know, API additions, um, Core Image now supports raw format, um, which is really, really big. You know, the likes of Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop is running on the iPad and you know I've got an iPad Pro and I use it as my image device I plug in my uh, Thunderbolt or lightning whatever it's lightning yeah lightning connector to SD card reader and put all my photos and manage them on there 
But on my camera, I ha currently have to set it to take RAW so that I can import it onto my computer and also JPEG so I can put it onto the iPad. But we're now getting native support right within uh, core image. Um, so I, um, I think it was Kerry. I think it was Kerry that, that pinged me on Twitter and said, um, you know, he, he, I wonder what this means for the new iPhone. And I think he may be onto something there. It's a very, very good, uh, you know, joining the dots. We now get raw support. There's a new iPhone coming out. They're always improving the camera. And that would be a huge win for them to say, you know, you no longer have to support or save just as a JPEG. We can also now do uh, a raw format. But if they do that, they've got to drop that 16 gig model and they've got to give us a 32 gig or 64 gig as a minimum storage. Because if you're saving, you know, 30, 40 meg photos, um, yeah. you're going to eat into that pretty fast. Um, there's also uh, more additions to things like Core Motion. Um, there's some brand new APIs within HealthKit. Um, HomeKit has seen quite a new uh, set, quite a new set of APIs as well, as well as a, an app uh, on the device called yep, Home. I'm using it. How is it? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the design here. I'll, I'll put it up right here. Yeah. They've, they've just taken an, an image. They're not using any of the iOS. They're not following their own uh, user interface guidelines, I'll say. Um, but I mean, as an actual function, functional application, it's not too bad. Um, it's nice because if you have all these different devices, you know, you don't have to have nine different apps to control them all. You can just use their home app. As long as they're HomeKit enabled, you're good to go, yeah. uh, which is super, super nice because um everyone knows that you know you don't want to use nine different applications just to turn on your lights because then at that point you know what's the point of having smart smart devices because i've already gone through more effort than just getting up and turning on and off the lights but the problem with HomeKit, like like we mentioned in past podcasts is well, there's not a lot of devices that actually support it yeah especially in the uk i mean i'm still apart from hue super limited and a lot a lot of the home kit devices i'm like i you know i don't really need that in my life um but yeah, there's only a few things that I really need to automate. Um, anyway. But they added some cool stuff to, to HomeKit in general. I mean, there's now support for uh, air conditioning units. Ooh. Uh, so I can, I can, you know, change the AC. Um, this one I thought was funny. Garage door opening and closing. And you can actually set up some geofencing around that. Uh, I mentioned in, uh, in, our, in our Slack channel uh, that the evangelism team has that that I think that accidentally opening and closing your garage door is the new butt dial. Um, because it, it's, you're just going to have to press a button and you've opened and closed your I hope you have to use Touch ID or something. Because yeah. Otherwise, I would be opening and closing that thing all the time on accident. Um, <laughs> it's actually kind of scary, actually. There's too, much, there's too much that you can control from my phone. So now, not only if you get my phone, you could possibly have access to all my messages, photos, files, uh, financial information, but also now my home. Yeah, you can literally control my home from my phone. Yeah, and you can walk in through the front door, and it's going to open the door yeah, just by getting close to the house. Yep, it's geofence for you, so it'll open the door for you. Oh, that's lovely. Madness. And then you'll turn on the lights. <laughs> you may as well set up a sign that says "Welcome to All." Um, but yeah, so that's iOS. There's lots of new new things. Naturally, iOS is a platform that Apple, uh, you know, focus or seems to be focusing on. Um, the most in terms of you know innovation. Um, one of the one of the biggest things um, for the Mac, in in fact, I'm going to say the biggest thing for the Mac is uh, they they've renamed it. They've got rid of Mac OS 
10, because the X is, you know, Roman numeral for 10. I don't think it was ever meant to be Mac OS X. Um, so Mac OS 10 yeah. is now Mac OS. Um, apart from the name change, there are some, you know, technical things. There's a new file system, um, which we're still waiting. You know, it's not finished yet, so we're still waiting on a few things. Um, the, the suggestion from everything I'm hearing right now um, is that there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work with the new file system, but that's I think that's kind of to be expected. Um, I'm definitely very interested to see if the file system is going to work with any other devices. So if I take a USB stick um, from my Mac, try and plug it into a PC, is it going to work with this new file system? Yeah. Um, so right now... Um, it, it can't, so the APFS, which I guess is the Apple file system, I'm not 100% sure what it stands for. I'm, I'm guessing Apple file system, that would make sense. Um, it, can, it can't be currently used uh, as a startup disk. Um, it can't be used for Time Machine, which is a backup solution for uh, Mac OS or OS X. Uh, and it can't be used for File Vault either. Um, and it also can't be used for Fusion Drives. So if you've got Fusion Drives, you're just out of luck. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of considerations that you need to make before you jump on the, on the new file system. But, you know, the, it is brand new. Um, so I think this is going to be very, very interesting. Um, but what, what I found quite cool about it is that when you're doing things like copying a file, but it's not actually going to copy the file. Yeah. It's going to leave it in place and it's just going to copy a link. Um, so moving files is instantaneous because it's not actually moving it on the drive. So we're going to, there's not really a performance increase, but in terms of the user experience, it's going to feel infinitely faster. Um, there are a yeah. whole load of other, you know, really geeky things that are, are happening with it. But, you know, I'm no file system expert. Um, there, there's lots of lots of uh, material on that if, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, in, in terms of other features, there's Siri for the Mac, which I, I'm very interested to hear your opinion on this, Pierce. I think you look like an idiot if you're talking. That's just how I feel in general. I, I feel, but I feel the same way. About, I feel like the same way about the phone. I I've never ever ever used Siri, and I I think I mean I know I'm not in the majority when I say that. I just think you look like an idiot, and for the most part, I I mean until you know Siri's been opened up to developers, it hasn't. I mean I can check the weather and I can you know do a few things like that, but I've been pretty limited. Now that maybe developers have a hold of it, I might be more likely to use it. But I mean, it doesn't change the fact that you probably look like an idiot to everyone around you when you're talking to it. Uh, at least with a phone, people expect you to be talking to it because it's a phone. Uh, yeah. With a with a computer, people don't always expect you to to just talk at your device. Um, and especially if you know it's not picking up exactly what you're saying, people just screaming at their Macs because they're they're angry that it's not picking up exactly what they're saying. But I mean. I, I, I'm not going to criticize it because I, I like Siri and I think that there's a lot of possibilities for Siri when it gets onto the desktop, just like there are for the phone. So now that we have it on there, we can't write any apps for it, unfortunately, but obviously we have the, the iOS APIs where there's at least a little bit of opening up into Apple services. Um, and so there's at least some hope that that might happen on the Mac. Um, and there's some cool things you could do, you know, with Mac apps, productivity apps and that sort of thing on the Mac with Siri. So I'm not completely opposed to it. 
but it doesn't change the fact that I probably won't use it. But I know a lot of people do. I know a lot of people love Siri, love Cortana, love that sort of thing, but yeah. I've just never gotten into the whole, you know, talk to my device thing. So from all accounts, 21% of people, and I don't know where they got this sample set of data from or these people, but 21% of people are saying that they've never used Siri. Um, for, for me, the whole concept of having Siri on my Mac is... Just, you know, I feel like Apple were like, yeah, we need to add something. What can we add? And they're like, well, we've done a lot of work with Siri on iPhone. We could probably just bring that over to the Mac. They're like, yeah, just let's just add that. Um, Siri makes so much sense on a mobile phone. As you say, it's a device that I talk to on a regular basis, either to people or, you know, just uh, it, it's in my pockets. It's, it's, and the key thing is always connected to the internet. I have 4G, yeah. I have 3G. My Mac spends, because I travel so much, my Mac spends a huge amount of time without the internet so i you know if i need to look something up i tend to just pull out my phone and then i search for it on google and i write it because i'm i don't want to be sat in public talking to my phone uh, asking it questions um a great example of like some of the limitations of siri is i i got some beers uh, from Yan from Flow Pilots uh, so thank you for an event I did on Saturday and if you're listening Yan they were absolutely delicious um, but we we popped them in the fridge and we were we were going out um, the next day and I, I said to myself well I said to a friend that I need to set a reminder to, to drink the beers when we get back so I said to Siri hey Siri remind me later today when I get back to this location to drink the beers that are in the fridge so Siri created me a reminder that said, in this location, to drink the beers that are in the fridge. <laughs> it wasn't intelligent enough to know, to, you know, put, set up a geofence for when I get to this location, I want to be reminded of this event. Yeah. Um, and that's on my phone with GPRS, and, you know, it knows where I am, or GPS, it knows where I am, whereas my, my laptop, it doesn't really have that privilege unless I'm on Wi-Fi. Um, so I'm I'm not convinced on personal assistance and voice computing for a laptop or and desktops and you know desktop it may work but yeah for the laptop i'm like eh. um i'd rather yeah. just type it and also another feature of mac os which is another thing that i think was just added because they they needed to add something was they've added double space to full stop i'm like i get that for a touchscreen keyboard <laughs> but for my mac i've got a real i've got a full stop button i've got a physical button for that i don't you know, I can just tap it. Yeah, that's too much. I don't like that. Yeah. So, Mac OS feels a little underloved, if if I'm being perfectly honest. But, hey, there is one, one cool thing. Well, no, actually, there's two really cool things, if we're going to be perfectly honest. You can now unlock using handoff. So, just when you walk up to your Mac, it will unlock, which is really nice. Um, and you can also do Apple Pay now from the web. Um, I'm not sure how much work needs to go into that, but, you know, if you've got an e-commerce site, uh, what would need to go into supporting that? But I'm, I imagine that a lot of the companies that deal with these kind of payment processes like Judo Pay will probably get some SDKs that are available to, to web developers in order to implement that kind of thing. Um, but it looks to me like it's doing the handoff to the phone and actually the payment is it's still happening on the phone, but it's just kind of getting... A link, so it's passing over the contents of your your basket with the total and enough information to process the payment. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's there's really not a great deal to talk about for Mac OS. Um, it's called Sierra. Well, and we were, 
we were, we were hoping going in, well, we had speculated that maybe we would get a little more love for the APIs so that they would be a little bit more like iOS. Oh, yeah. Um, so that we could share even more code. Because I the thing is, I want to write Mac OS apps. Yes. I want to. Yeah. Um, the, the APIs just aren't good enough. They're, they're, I've been spoiled by their iOS APIs. And when I move over to Mac, I gave Mac a fresh look six months ago. It was much, much better to develop for than it was two years ago, but it's still nowhere near what iOS is. Yeah. And so if they made it just as delightful to develop for Mac as they did iOS, then I think we'd see, I mean, there's already some brilliant Mac apps made, but I think we'd see even more awesome apps made for the Mac. And I just, I've never understood why they don't give Mac OS more love. Do you know, it's a, it's a problem with their, their pro devices. And it's not just a problem with Mac OS, it's a problem with the iPad Pro. You know, I've got an iPad Pro with this amazing CPU, and I just can't get the apps. That are taking advantage of it um and the same is true with my mac you know uh, there are mac apps that are taking advantage of it like i use sketch and i've got logic pro although logic is made by apple um but yeah the, i'm not able to share any of this code from the mac to the the ios and no one's building pro apps for the ipad pro because it's so difficult to monetize and people aren't building for apple because it's so difficult to uh, for the mac because it's so difficult to build for and I speculated it was a build, and I started writing a blog post on it, and I never got around to publishing it. I was going to put it on Medium. Um, but Apple has this problem with pro apps. People just aren't building them. You know, the apps that go into the App Store are kind of a lot of, not throwaway apps, because that's doing them a real disservice, but they're not professional-grade desktop applications running on the iPad Pro. And as I say, people aren't targeting uh, desktop software anymore they're, they're focused on on mobile and if they what what i want to see and if there's anyone from apple listening to this please 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 take this advice because this, this is coming from the heart i want to see you open up ux kit i know you've already got that framework it's a framework you've used to build photos for it's a framework that you've used to build photos for the mac and then share that code with iOS. So you're, you're, you've got the framework for the UI, share it with us so that we can use it to build our apps. Um, because if I can share the code, even if you just share it with iPad and the Mac, then I, at least I know there's a subset of APIs that I'm not targeting the phone for, but I'm still able to build professional grade software with a limited subset of APIs for iOS that will also run on the Mac or do it vice versa. You know, I've always said, if you've built an iOS app, you've basically finished your Mac app. But it's that UI level, it's that UI layer that's really, really difficult for the Mac. Um, yeah, they just they need to they need to release UX Kit. Um, it it frustrates me when they say yeah. that the iPad Pro is the future of computing because I really, really like my iPad Pro. Don't get me wrong, but it isn't the if if that is the future of computing, then uh, I'm not sure I want to be in the industry anymore. Um, but I just I don't believe it. I don't believe that that's the future of computing. I think for, for, again, like iMessage, for a subset of consumers, that's a perfect device. But there are a whole lot of people out there that won't be happy to have an iPad Pro as their only machine, and especially when it's not got that professional-grade software. And it's calling for it, you know, that gorgeous screen. I'd love to see Sketch run on an iPad, but, you know... Yeah, the... and why, why would I buy an iPad Pro if I can't run... Like, what's the, what's the differentiator for me as a regular iPad user, between the iPad Pro and regular iPad, um, if I'm not going to get that, like you said, that 
that you know desktop quality software on the iPad Pro so I can actually use it in many ways like I can use a desktop. There's no differentiator for me and that's why I've never been that attracted to the iPad Pro. I think it's a beautiful device, but I don't want to spend the extra money because I don't think that the software matches up to the hardware when it comes to the iPad Pro. Yeah, no, it doesn't right now. Um, as I say, I, I bought an iPad Pro. There are a couple of reasons. Number one is I wanted a big screen iPad for movies, for flights, um, also for the editing of photos. Um, but I also completely expected a WWDC for Apple to, to release UX kit so that I could start to, you know, build for Mac and iPad from one code base. Um, but it's not come yet. So may yeah. maybe in the future, or maybe we're just going to have to build it. Um, you know, because as I say, there's a lot of APIs that, that are very similar. Um, but Mac OS is, as you quite rightly point out, is, is much more difficult to get started with. And it's much more difficult to create good looking apps with Mac uh, than it is for iOS. Yeah, all I managed to put together was a simple menu bar app. So I actually bailed out of writing it a UI in at all. <laughs> I just had to add menu bar items. That was it. I mean, menu bar apps are super easy to build, by the way. You should look at them for yeah. stuff. I mean, that was that was the easiest way to get started with Mac development. But like you said, building a UI is a mess. And uh, building a good-looking good desktop app in general is hard enough, and then the APIs don't help you any. So in terms of other things that are that are actually, I feel like me and Mike have been really negative, but it's just... Because oh, no. we love we love Apple so much, and we want it to be so good, and we want we want the watch to be awesome, we want TVOS to be awesome, we want the Mac environment to be awesome, and it is awesome. I, I still think the Mac is uh, is my favorite platform uh, as far as desktops to develop for. Uh, I mean, excuse me, to to use, not to develop for. I think Windows 10 is obviously much easier to develop for, but on a day to day thing, I still I still love my Mac. Um, iOS, I, I do believe, is the best platform of all the mobile platforms to develop for. So what we said today doesn't change that. Yep. Uh, we're just a, a bit hard on Apple. Yeah, you know, we, we're just, we, we had such high expectations going into WWDC that weren't realized. And maybe that's, you know, our own faults for, you know, buying into some of these rumors. Um, maybe if we'd gone in there without having looked at some of the news and hadn't had any other gripes from previous years that, you know, at some point in the future, there are going to be some things at Apple, some issues that we've had with Apple that they're just going to have to sort out, um, such as the problem with Pro Apps, um, the APIs on, on Mac being slightly odd, um, the lack of releasing hardware. I think if Apple were to be a bit more open, um, things might be a bit different. If they just came out and you know said what the, the, the big plan was, then I, I don't think I would be quite so disappointed because I'd at least know what where we're going. Um, but right now, I don't feel like my needs are being catered for, um, and it's very much you know being pushed into the different markets like China um, and trying to make sure that they secure uh, the teenage market because teenagers spend a fortune on mobile, and a lot of them are going Android because it's the device that their parents get them because it's cheap. Um, and you know, once you once you've bought into a platform, it's pretty difficult to leave. So I can I can understand from a business decision why they would want to you know make iMessage very team friendly. And but as I say, as a you know late twenties adult, I, I use that that word loosely. But you know, in my late twenties, I, I don't need any of those features. They're not for me. Um, and I didn't really feel any any love. Uh, for, you know my demographic um 
I was just going to say, uh, well, on a super positive note, one of the problems we've always complained about, not just the Apple App Store, but App Stores in general, is really you're forced into two main payment models uh, for your app, two main ways that you can make money. You can either do you know, free-to-play in-app purchases, upgrades, that yep. sort of thing, or you can just go straight up and do a paid application. The problem with that is it's not recurring. Um, well, Apple, right before WWDC, announced that subscriptions, which were available for select categories, are now actually available for all categories. So if Ooh. you're building an application, uh, you can actually use subscri- the subscription model now. So now you have three different you know, business models you can go with to actually monetize your application, which was something we've been asking for for a while, and now we actually you know, have that, yeah, which is some nice. Some other huge improvements. Uh, this is very strange that Apple didn't you know, make a huge song and dance of this, especially in the keynote. This, I would have had this as you know, one of the opening slides because it, it would have got a standing yeah. ovation. They, they've basically almost guaranteed that your app will be reviewed or go through the review process in like 24 hours. Um, they, they've massively scaled up the amount of staff that they've got doing that. So we, we, we shouldn't see, you know, un, naturally when iOS 10 actually drops into the uh, into public release, there's probably going to be a little bit of a backlog. But they're now saying that most apps are getting uh, through the review process within 24 hours, uh, which is huge because I know as, you know, yep. as Android developers and UWP developers for the Windows Store have said that their biggest frustration with Apple is that review process that, they're, they're running on a tight deadline. They've got their managers breathing down their necks to say, hey, when is the app being shipped? They're going, well, we've put it into Apple. We've just got to wait. And, you know, a week and a half, two weeks goes by, and then it's finally approved. Um, so that's, you know, I'm really, really happy about that. Um, and as Piers points out, you know, maybe we've been a bit negative today, but it's because we have such high expectations of what we expect from uh, these events. And maybe that's unfair on our part, but, uh, you know, the reality didn't live up to, to any of the hype, uh, certainly from my point of view. Great. Well, uh, this has been another edition of the Xamarin Podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the podcast at MikeCodes.net, at Pierce Bogan. Uh, we'd also love to hear guest suggestions, topic ideas, that sort of thing. Like, like Mike said at the beginning of the podcast, it's tough to find topics that me and Mike can get up here and gas bag for an hour about. Um, uh, luckily, iOS is probably our most passion topic, so I think <laughs> yeah. you've got a good podcast today. Uh, thanks for joining us on this edition of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan. And I'm Mike James. Thanks for listening. <laughs>